Here we go. You're listening to Law and Gospel on this July the 11th in the year of our Lord, 2023. I'm Pastor Tom Baker, and for this particular Wednesday, we're going to be taking a look at Proverbs chapter 22. Now, the book of Proverbs is really interesting because unless you have a pastor who can understand the original languages, the culture of the day, etc., a lot of the Proverbs can be missed. And it's therefore important that we take a look with Proverbs 22. This is how God thinks. And this particular section refers to the wise and the foolish behaviors. Now, when we talk about wise behaviors, that word wise, of course, is wisdom. And there's only one place that wisdom comes from, and that's from the Holy Trinity, and specifically, Jesus the Christ. So, looking at verse 1 of chapter 22 of Proverbs, a good name is to be chosen rather than great riches, and favor is better than silver or gold. So what are we talking about here? What is meant by a good name? Well, another way of translating that is a good reputation is to be chosen rather than great riches. So a lot of people, they think that the goal in life is to become rich in order to be able to take care of themselves, to buy what they need, etc. And they will look up to people who are rich, thinking that therefore they are being blessed by God, whereas those who are not rich are not being blessed by God. But that's not the way that God thinks. From God's point of view, having a good name is far better than great riches. But what is a good name? Are we talking about a good name in the eyes of others? Not necessarily. You can have a good name in the eyes of others if you commit crimes with other people and they enjoy your committing crimes with them. It makes them feel good about you. They would, therefore, you have a good name. But that's not what God thinks. A good name or a good reputation is from God's point of view. Now, how can you have a good reputation from God's point of view? Because we are poor, sinful beings. But through faith in Jesus Christ, you have received justification, which means the forgiveness of sins, where God no longer holds you accountable for your sins. Can, can you imagine that? That you're never held accountable for sins on a heavenly basis. That's having a good name from God's point of view, because you have the name of Christian. You are a brother to Jesus Christ with God as your father. And when it says that favor 
is better than silver or gold. This is the one time in the Bible where the word favor, which is God's grace, is actually better than silver or gold. You see, there can be people who have all the silver or gold they want, but unless they have God's favor, then guess what? They fall short of having a good reputation from God's point of view. Faith in Jesus Christ gives you a good reputation from God's point of view. Verse 2 kind of connects this. The rich and the poor meet together. The Lord is the maker of them all. Now, see, in society, we tend to look up to those who have riches. It certainly was true in the days of Jesus. The Pharisees considered themselves to be really blessed. They owned a lot of sheep. They were looked up to by many people. They had a lot of garments that they wore that made them look important. They would pray in the streets. And so people would say, oh, they're better than those who are poor. Those who are poor are not being blessed by God. But God doesn't look at it that way at all. Instead, the rich and the poor are really in common. How? The Lord is the maker of them all. This actually is understood also in the New Testament. In James chapter 2, verse 1, My brothers, show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. What does that mean? Well, James talks about that somebody comes to visit your church and they're kind of rich. You give them the best seats. You extol them. You really look up to them. Whereas someone who is poor, well, they're not near as as important. Well, guess what? That's not how God looks at the distinction between the rich and the poor. We're talking here about those who have a lot of money, a lot of possessions, versus those who do not. The Lord is the maker of them all. And therefore, the promises of God come to whether you are poor or whether you are rich. So this is kind of talking about a distinction between wise and foolish behaviors. Verse 3 continues this. The prudent sees danger and hides himself, but the simple go on and suffer for it. Now, this is from God's point of view. The prudent is one who has understanding, particularly about Jesus Christ. And he sees the danger that, for example, may come from his sin, from the devil, from the world. And he hides himself from it. That is, he does not follow that sin. 
and by hiding himself from it, he gets away from the danger. But the gullible, when they see danger, they don't hide themselves from it because they see that as something important for them to believe. For example, Adam and Eve. The simple or the gullible, namely Adam and Eve, they heard the temptations of Satan and they went on and they suffered for it. The idea of suffering for it can mean they pay the penalty of a court. And what was the penalty? Well, we know that the curse upon the woman is pain in childbirth. The curse upon a man is being head of the household and having to work hard in the fields. So the gullible listen to Satan. They believe his word rather than God's word, and they end up suffering for it. They suffer it because they're responsible for not hiding themselves from the danger. This is why temptation is so important to make sure you don't follow. Because when you are tempted by the world, your sin, or the devil, then you need to hide yourself from that temptation. And the more that you don't, the more you will pay the penalty. Nowhere in the Bible is it more clear than in Proverbs that God provides a negative consequence for every sin that we do and for every temptation we fall into. That's really important. Verse 4, the reward for humility and fear of the Lord is riches and honor and life. So what is being said here from God's point of view, to be humble means to recognize your sinful condition, to be repentant for it. It was really the task of John the baptizer to create humility in people as they recognize their sinful condition and their inability to get out of their sin. And therefore, they had a fear of the Lord. Now, that can be often misunderstood. Fear of the Lord doesn't mean that we're afraid of the Lord. We've explained this before in dealing with children and parents. Children fear parents, not because they hate the parents, not because they're afraid of the parents, but because they know that parents have the right to discipline them. And nobody likes to be disciplined. And when we're disciplined, we are not humble. And therefore, a fear of the Lord is a great characteristic for a Christian to have. We fear the Lord in the sense that we recognize he could send us to eternal hell. But because of the death and resurrection of Jesus, he is not going to 
for those who trust in Jesus for their salvation. Therefore, what is your reward for faith in Jesus Christ? There's three rewards, riches and honor and life. Now, that may seem to be a contradiction to verse 1, what says a good name is to be chosen rather than great riches. But in verse 4, the idea of riches is referring to the wonderful bounties that Jesus gives, the wonderful blessings that you receive. Those are the riches talked about. And honor, God honors you just as parents honor their children because they are part of the family. And what is the third reward? Life. What did Jesus say? I am the way, the truth, and the life. So this doesn't just refer to life here on earth. It also refers to eternal life. That's the reward for proper humility and fear of the Lord, which is simply faith in Jesus Christ. Ephesians makes it clear that we should not boast of our works because we're saved through faith, not by our works. This is a great verse for showing the distinction between law and gospel. Under the law, you think you're going to get rewarded because of your good works. But under the gospel, it's because of your humility, your understanding that you are unable to take care of your sins, but that God has done for you what you are unable to do for yourself. And all that is necessary is for you to trust in God. Verse 5 uh, continues talking about foolish behavior. Thorns and snares are in the way of the crooked. Whoever guards his soul will keep far from them. Now, thorns are not something that a person appreciates. No. Have you ever brushed up a, against a bush that has sharp thorns in it? And snares, another word for that, are traps. Now, why do the crooked, which mean the unbelievers, why do they fall into snor thorns and snares? They do so because they appear beneficial to them. Remember when Satan tempted Eve, he said, you'll become like God. Well, that seems like that's pretty beneficial. So let's not listen to God. Let's eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And guess what? They harmed themselves. So sin always appears to be beneficial or else a person would never do it. But it is the way of the crooked. In contrast to that, the end of the verse says, 
whoever guards his soul will keep from them. Now, how do you guard your soul? You guard your soul by taking a look at that which is keeping guard over your soul, and that's the Holy Spirit. That is really important that we baptize children and bring them into the kingdom of God because this is how they guard their soul, by listening to the Holy Spirit and keeping away from thorns and traps that will harm them. Notice, sin harms you because of what you have done or said or thought. Now we get to verse 6, which is one of the most discussed verses in the entire book of Proverbs. Train up a child in the way he should go, and even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Now, why is that such an important verse? It's the verb to train up that is important. It's a word used to consecrate the temple when it was established. It also is used to consecrate the altar and also the walls of Jerusalem. The same word, to train up a child. So how do we train up a child? We tell the child the way of the Lord through the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, children by nature need to be disciplined because they are born with a sinful attitude. Nobody's going to tell me what to do. And how many times do children attempt to give an excuse for their sins? But as you train up a child, you're in a sense consecrating them. That's really done very much in Sunday school, in a church service, in vacation Bible school, or particularly in youth confirmation. Youth confirmation is very important for children because apart from youth confirmation, they do not understand the ways of God. They are therefore trained up or consecrated. They are considered to be holy, as was the temple, the altar, and the wall of Jerusalem when it was set aside to the glory of God. And what is the result of consecrating or training up a child? Even when he was old, he will not depart from it. This is extremely important because this is the way that God thinks. When we train up a child in the way of the Holy Spirit, then when he is old, he will not depart from it. Verse 7, The rich rules over the poor, and the borer is the slave of the lender. Now, this is an important verse. Proverbs does not condemn people because they are rich. Every now and then you get that idea that the wealthy are the evil people in the world. 
because they're not taking care of the poor people. It is true that the rich rules over the poor, but the borrower is the slave of the lender. In other words, this is from God's point of view. The rich does rule over the poor and does not make the rich evil people. Uh, a rich person can be really a friend of God. I've known millionaires who give a lot of their money to worthy causes, such as the pro-life movement, etc. And in that sense, they help to rule over the poor in giving them food, clothing, housing, etc. So Proverbs does not condemn people who are rich. But if you would rather be rich than have a good reputation, then you don't understand God. Verse 8, whoever sows injustice will reap calamity. There's one of the verses which is very clear in Proverbs, that when you sow injustice, that means when you plant your sins, when you fall into the sins of the temptation of the devil, the world, and the flesh, you will reap calamity. That means you will reap trouble. Now, the worst trouble is, of course, when you die and judgment day comes and you don't go to heaven. It says in the second part of verse 8, and the rod of his fury will fail. Now, what does that mean? Well, when someone sows injustice and they reap a calamity or they reap trouble for their injustice, then they become furious at the person that is giving them that calamity. And therefore, they will attempt to get even that is what is meant by the rod of his fury will fail. It actually will destroy the person himself when he t tries to take vengeance upon those who he believes are reaping calamity upon him. He doesn't understand that God is the one reaping calamity on him because he has sowed injustice. Sowed is S-O-W-E-D, as when a farmer plants seed into the ground. You plant the wrong kind of seed, guess what? You're going to have trouble getting your crops to grow properly. If you go into the farms of northern Illinois right now, they're really starting to grow high with corn and beans, etc., in fact, um, sweet corn is back for sale, and it's delicious. But if you don't plant it right, if you don't get the right rain, if the soil isn't okay, then you will fail. And who is responsible for the rain, etc.? It's none other than Jesus himself. Finally, we get to verse 9 
of Proverbs 22. Whoever has a bountiful eye will be blessed. Now, that really is better translated literally, whoever has a good eye. In Proverbs, there's a distinction between having the good of an eye or the evil of an eye. And whoever has a bountiful eye, which is a good eye, this is a generous person. And the end of verse 9 tells us why he has a bountiful eye and why he will be blessed. For he shares his bread with the poor. In fact, we can go again to the book of James, chapter 2, verse 5. Listen, my beloved brothers. Has not God chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he has promised to those who love him? Now, how do you get to love God? That is a gift of the Holy Spirit where he places in you trust in the promises of Jesus Christ. So once again, a great section in Proverbs 22 describing how God thinks. We'll be continuing that next Wednesday with the rest of Proverbs 22. Be with us tomorrow for another Law and Gospel. I'm Tom Baker. God bless you. Listen to Law and Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law and Gospel, please make your check out to Law and Gospel and mail to Law and Gospel P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132, or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.